is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, yes it is. And we've got one more hour to play with. Let that rock out. We're in New York City on a Sunday night, and this is what it sounds like. Ty Butler going with you till midnight. Ty D. Butler, that's Twitter. Also Instagram, 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Let's get these phone lines pop. We've got uh, 60 minutes, so let's do it. Let's hit everything. The Yankees, if you're just joining us, uh, that game has been called, so they are victorious 2-0 uh, after six innings against the Red Sox. So that's not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven straight wins for for your New York Yankees. Unfortunately, the Aaron Judge home run watch will continue because he went homerless again tonight, so he is stuck on 60. That pursuit continues in Toronto. The Yankees will be there the next three days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, before they return home for a weekend series against the Orioles. So no home runs for Judge tonight. We'll continue to watch as that unfolds, but you know who better be uh, counting their lucky stars and grateful that all of our eyes and all of our attention is on Aaron Judge. And that's one Garrett Cole. Why? Because Nasty Nestor looked pretty good again tonight. Six innings of shutout baseball. And with Garrett Cole, who's given up four runs in each of his last three starts, and four times this year he's given up at least five runs in a game, we'd be talking about just how subpar he's been this season. I don't want to overreact, but when you're paying this guy as much money as you're paying him and he blew up in Boston last year and he's putting together this type of campaign this year, that at least to his greatness, when you measure it up uh, against his greatness, he's fallen short of expectation. There's reason to be concerned about him. And the, the noise would be louder uh, about whether or not he should be starting game one of that division series, regardless of who the Yankees face. Because Nestor Cortez has been pretty good, and Garrett Cole hasn't been. I'm not saying it's fair, but I'm saying it is absolutely on the table. For me, Garrett Cole, without question, is getting that story. I, I don't foresee any scenario uh, that does not include an injury of some sort, which we knock on wood and hope doesn't happen, that does not see Garrett Cole on regular rest starting game one of the division series. It's just not going to happen. We can talk about it. We can have some fun with it. Uh, we can be honest about what we're watching, which is what we do as fans and as, as talk show hosts, but it ain't happening, just from my estimation. Uh, but the Yankees do get the win tonight, so they're that much closer to clinching the AL East division crown. Just the, uh, the magic number at just two. So one victory in Toronto gets it done, and we hope for a long postseason run. Meanwhile, the Mets, uh, their bats woke up and to the tune of 13 runs they put on the Oakland A's. Max Scherzer was pretty good. The Mets take two of three in Oakland. Uh, the Braves came from behind today to beat the Phillies, so that lead in the loss column for the Mets in the NL East is just one game. We are looking at a showdown next weekend in Atlanta between the Mets and the Braves, probably for the division uh, if everything goes the way that we think it's it, the way it's, we think it's going to go this week, Mets Braves next week is going to feel like a playoff series. It's essentially going to be the playoffs already having started for both of these teams because we know just how important winning this division is. It sets you up to get that first round bye. You don't want to go into uh, in the playoffs having to play an extra series if you're anybody. I don't care how good you are. You want that week off. 
So it's going to feel like a playoff series when the Mets and Braves uh, meet next weekend. But here's the question. Who's starting game one uh, for the playoffs with the Mets? Is it DeGrom or is it Scherzer? Here's what I know. DeGrom uh, hasn't looked all that immortal as of late. It just just hasn't hasn't looked that same way. And you know I love me some DeGrom. Uh, we, we know how great he is. But <laughs> got tagged yesterday in Oakland. Uh, to the tune of five runs and four walks. It's the worst start he's had, uh, what, since 2019. In his last three starts, DeGrom has allowed 11 earned runs in 15 innings. And all Max Scherzer continues to do is just be dominant. Today, pretty good again. Six innings, seven strikeouts, one earned run. Case closed. Victory for the New York Mets. Who do you trust more? Right now, and, and and look, it's not crazy to ask it because we know how good Degrom is when he is at his absolute apex. Apex Degrom is as good as we've ever seen. He is in that conversation. I mean, he's got the the Cy Youngs that speak for itself. But just right now, and it's not an overreaction. Just right now, Scherz is pitching better. Scherz is pitching better. And when DeGrom, you know, had that, what was it, 17 up, 17 down against Atlanta, uh, it was huge. But since then, hasn't looked like the same pitcher. But it is at least a conversation to be had. Just like with the Yankees, with, you know, Nestor Cortez and Garrett Klein, I think it's even less of a conversation there because I just don't see any shot of Nestor getting the game one start unless there's like a rest situation that happens, which is not going to happen because the Yankees are going to get a bye. With the Mets, I think it's legitimate. DeGrom and Scherzer, game one, maybe you go DeGrom just because he's, you know, homegrown and it's his team, quote-unquote, but Scherzer's pitching better right now. Scherzer's pitching better right now. This weekend, we saw Albert Pujols reach 700. So this year, in order to get to 700, he needed to hit 21, which is where he is right now. And it was fascinating because we didn't know if it was going to happen. 21 home runs was what he needed to get to 700, a number he hadn't hit since 2019 when he hit 23. So it wasn't, you know, certain that he was going to get there, even if he remained healthy, but hit two shots on Saturday to get to 700. Uh, And it's been fun to watch him to do it at this age as he marches toward Hall of Fame enshrinement uh, after he retires. The Cardinals lead the center. They're going to be in the wild card round. So who knows? Maybe they make a run and hits a couple of big home runs in the postseason. A uh, conversation that we've had earlier was about the New York Jets, who lost this afternoon at home to the Bengals. You come in with a lot of expectation based on what you saw last week just from an offensive uh, standpoint because they were able to put up 31 points against a really good Cleveland defense. They were able to come back from being down 13 points in the final two minutes. And thanks to Joe Flacco, who threw for four touchdowns, two in that final, uh, two in a 60-second span, you just felt good about maybe where the team was going, not just because of what we saw from the Jets, but because of what we had seen on display from the AFC defending champion Cincinnati Bengals, who in back-to-back weeks lost to the Steelers, lost last week to the Cooper Rush and the Cowboys, their offensive line. Couldn't protect Joe Burrow. He sacked 13 times in two games. 13 times Burrow had been sacked in two games. So he thought with this defensive line, bringing some pressure, maybe the Jets could force some turnovers, and we could have ourselves a ball game. But same old Jets showed up. Big 
situation at the end of the first quarter. Jets getting off the field. In comes the yellow flag. Unnecessary roughness. That's just such a Jet thing to happen. You know, Bob Rasheusen calls it a turnover. Calls it a turnover. It essentially performs as if it's a turnover. When you get that stop and, and you get an undisciplined penalty just like that, it's essentially a turnover. And that, to me, was where the game, you know, kind of changed. Jets went from possibly having the ball, or not possibly, the Jets were going to get the ball down 7-6 with a chance to take the lead. And instead, Joe Burrow connects for a touchdown with his receivers, and now they're up 14-6, and they've got all the momentum. Your defense is gassed after that penalty, and now your offense, which had already been struggling in the game, is now tasked with having to keep up with Joe Burrow. Came across this stat on the CBS broadcast, 22 straight games for the Jets where they have now trailed in the game. Not a winning organization, not a winning recipe. Jets were looking to get over the 500 mark for the first time since 2018. Could not happen. Haven't won back-to-back games since 2020. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say distraught. I, I did think that they could win this game, and I had already been looking ahead to next week because you've got Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers. That's a game you can also win. Hopefully we can get Zach Wilson back. But I, the only good thing for me that came out of what happened with the Jets today was the official ending of the fake quarterback controversy. And that is this idea that even if Wilson is healthy, should we continue to start Joe Flacco? Because he came from behind last week. He's a veteran leader. He's won the Super Bowl. He could get the Jets to maybe eight or nine wins. Stop it. When Zach's healthy, he has to play. You you need a, a as much of a, a season-long sample size of an evaluation for Zach as you can get. Last year didn't play a full season. This year is not going to play a full season. You need an answer on him sooner than later. And the only way you're going to get that is if he's on the field. So when he's healthy enough to play, he will be out there. Joe Flacco uh, was Joe Flacco, 28 for 52. Two interceptions, two fumbles. Can't have that happen. He's a, a corpse back there. He's not the future of this team. He's not going to get you to the playoffs. And it's just... To me, senseless to think that even if the Jets had won this game today, you would have seen Joe Flacco return out there uh, had Zach Wilson been healthy. It just makes no sense. But the Jets, losers today, they fall to 1-2. and two, uh, So I'll take your phone calls on that as well. Meanwhile, the Giants did not play today because they will be on Monday Night Football tomorrow. And I promise you, it, it, it's slated as um, Daniel Jones versus Cooper Rush. So not all that sexy, but can't get any worse than what we're watching on Sunday Night Football tonight between the Broncos and the Niners. Because, I mean, what a disaster this was. The only excitement of this game was Dan Orlovsky trending uh, since Jimmy G went full Dan Orlovsky by running out of the back of the end zone. I I'm mean, a little bit of a psychopath. <laughs> it, it took a shot. It took, you know, took the ball in the shotgun formation, lost track of his footing, Stepped on the back of the end zone, and that led to a safety. And by the way, the Broncos up 11-10 in the fourth quarter on the Niners. So the Giants in action tomorrow because of the Eagles improving to 3-0 today. In order for the Giants to remain tied for first place, they need to get a win tomorrow. We're expecting a defensive showdown because these have been two good defenses through two weeks. The Cowboys, 
got that win last week against Cincy at the buzzer uh, because of their defense. And the defense was what, I'm not going to say kept them in the game because, of, what was it, 19-3 they lost to Tampa Bay week one. But the defense played pretty well. You hope Brady and, and that Bucks offense will be with a lot of injuries to 19 points. You did the job. Dak, Dak didn't do his job. But now he's injured. Cooper Rush is in there. The defense continues to play well. And they've got to go up against Daniel Jones and the Giants tomorrow. So that should be a, a fun defensive battle. You know, everyone's high on Brian Dable right now, including myself, because it just feels like a different energy. I know it's a cliche culture, and but I, I, when I saw John Franklin Myers pick up that, that just dumb penalty on third and nine that extended the drive for the Bengals that led to a touchdown, it's funny. The first person I thought of was Brian Dable. Like, how would Brian Dable have reacted to that? He would have been in his face. Because we've seen Brian Dable get in his player's face, hold him accountable. And it's something we like because the team is winning. Now, if they were losing, we would say, you know, he's doing too much. And you, you could lose the locker room. But it, when it's winning, uh, when you're winning, it works. And so far, it's working for the Giants, who are 2-0. It's the first time they've been above 500 since 2016. Six years for the Giants. Six years for the Giants. So, looking forward to that one. Tomorrow night, can they get to three? No, I mean, listen, I I don't care what your expectations for the Giants are. If you're a Giants fan, if you got a chance to get to three to three and zero tomorrow, you have to be excited because what's it going to take in the NFC? The NFC doesn't have that powerhouse. I would say, you know, the 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 Rams as the defending champions. Have to be in that top tier. The, the Bucks just look, I mean, they, they don't look good right now on offense. But they've got so many injuries. The Eagles probably have been the best team in the NFC so far on the young season. But when you look at the landscape and now that there are seven playoff spots, how many wins? And <laughs> It's so early. Like, we go from talking about the Giants, you know, being one of the worst teams in football to what well, the question I'm going to ask. How many wins is it going to take to make the playoffs in the NFC? Is it going to take nine wins to get there? It could like nine wins should get you a playoff spot, right? And if the Giants win tomorrow, they're three and zero. They're a third of the way there, with fourteen games left to play. So again, don't get it too ahead of yourself, because I did see uh, some article that came out uh, ESPN that was like they're ranking the the best. 2-0 teams since 81, and the Giants were like the eighth worst 2-0 team since 1981. They've only got a plus four differential on the season. So it's a little fluky. Maybe you get the long field goal uh, to win against Carolina. Maybe it's a little fluky, but look, you, the wins, you take the wins as they come. And if you get to 3-0 tomorrow, you're a third of the way to nine wins, and nine wins could get you a playoff spot. So I can't imagine... You know, listening to Dave Rothenberg Tuesday morning if the Giants beat the Cowboys on, on Monday Night Football. That's going to be a show to listen to. And, and it's just Giant fans all, all, all over. The excitement, they to go from what you had, you know, with, with Judge, with McAdoo and Shermer, and then you come into this season thinking it's just a rebuild. We're going to see a changing of the guard from a culture standpoint. You didn't expect to be 2-0 on the break of 3 and 0. That's not what you expected at all. So, 
you you have to be enthused if you're a Giants fan. And even if the season doesn't end with the playoff appearance, you do feel like, to use another cliche, you're moving in the right direction. You've got your GM. You've got your coach. The roster has some talent, but there are a lot of upgrades to be had. Looks like uh, Thibodeau is going to make his debut tomorrow. He told reporters, I read an ESPN article, he told reporters, I'm playing. He's going to make his debut. So should be fun on all fronts. Giants, Cowboys, Monday Night Football should be a blast. Your phone call is coming up. Doing Jets, Giants, Yankees, Mets. All of it is on the table as we go to midnight. We're marching until midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. My, oh my. So it's coming down to the wire on Monday Night Football. The Broncos facing a third and nine. They're up one with a minute 55 left in the game. The the, the Niners looking to get the ball back still have two timeouts. They are going to get the ball back as they force... A fourth down, but Jimmy G just threw, I mean, a, a mind-boggling interception uh, that could have ended the game. He's going to get another shot to march down the field and win it. So everyone's killing him on, on Twitter right now, which means that he's going to come down and uh, uh, and win the game for the Niners. But, you know, they, they're missing Trey Lance right now. Uh, Jimmy G just looks awful. This has been a dreadful game. It's so funny because when, when Zach Wilson went down and the initial, not reports, but Everyone watching thought that because it was a non-contact injury uh, that he was going to be done for the season. It was, well, go trade for Jimmy G. And I was one of those guys saying, like, maybe you, you might have to just to save the season. Jimmy G is awful. <laughs> Jimmy G is awful. Rich and Rockway wants to talk about the Jets. What's up, Rich? Hey, Ty. How are you? But um, lifelong Jet fan here, 35, 40 years. You know, it just boggles my mind. This it, it, it's like how many coaches, players, everything we go through, and it's just the same thing over and over and over again. And for me, it's just like, what is you know, like we keep they, they keep throwing out there that Flacco gives us the best chance to win. Basically, he's played two minutes of good football this year. I mean, that's basically what he's played. I mean, he played okay in Cleveland, but really overall, he's played two minutes of good football. Why not? And he's not our future at all, at all. So why not give Mike White a shot, especially when you have an O-line that is that is just, you know, before the injury today, the fans, you know, was juggling all over the place. Yeah, so they, were, they were moving around a little bit. And, and just, I, listen, I, I thought that they should have gone to him in week one. I, I didn't understand turning over the yeah. reins to Joe Flacco. I just didn't get it. And, you know, us Jet fans are always going to glorify the performance he had last year against the Bengals, who were clearly sleeping on the Jets, uh, and, and he went out there and won the game. We we were missing mentioning that the week after against Buffalo, he was, uh, you know, will you throw for four interceptions? But I'm with I, you. I agree. I, I'm, I'm with you. Have a hor- he did have a horrible game. But then when he was playing, he, before he got to, got injured in Indianapolis, he was playing well. Yeah, he was. He had them in that game seven seven. You know, he just you know it's almost like you know you know it, it, it's it's always it seems like with this team it's never about winning. It's always about politicking and and perception. You know, oh Joe Flacco is you know a Super Bowl winning quarterback. We have to play him. Plus, what you know, who cares? Just win. Like you know, you, you have a line that is. You know, just shuffled all over the place. Yeah, Mike White isn't, uh, 
you know, Lamar Jackson, but at least he can move around and, and keep a play going here or there. Yeah, I, you know, I, Joe Flacco is just a statue. I agree with you, man, and I appreciate the phone call. Jo- the, the, the Joe Flacco conversation got silly for a minute. And, you know, people were acting like this was 2012 Joe Flacco who, you know, led the Ravens to a Super Bowl victory. Now, should he continue to start? It was ridiculous. It was crazy. Like, it made no sense. It, it was it was foolish. By the way, you bring up Lamar Jackson. Just a quick aside. We were talking about this during the break. You know, Aaron Judge, we're applauding him because he's having a tremendous season uh, in the midst of betting on himself for a contract, and he's going to get paid for it. Another guy who bet on himself is Lamar Jackson, and all he's done through three games is 12 touchdowns, and combined between passing and rushing, 991 yards. I mean, what a phenomenal season he's putting together so far. Now, they blew the game last week against the Dolphins, which was just inexcusable, where they, they were, they you know, overcame a 21, uh, they allowed the Dolphins to overcome a 21 fourth, 21 point fourth quarter deficit. But as far as Lamar Jackson is concerned, like he is putting together a phenomenal uh, season so far. It's only three games, but it's off to a great start. His numbers are ridiculous. Here was Joe Flacco following the game. Uh, we were just talking about Mike White and whether or not you know he should have been in the game. Jet fans obviously felt the way that um, our caller just said uh, because Joe Flacco was asked, uh, did the boos and the Mike White chants bother him earlier today? Well, listen, I mean, when you're not winning football games, uh, fans, you know, and, and you're losing and you're struggling a little bit, you know, fans want you to go out there and win football games. They're they're here to, you know, to watch football, but they're here to watch their team win, you know. So uh, you get the frustration. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I mean, it's a two-score game. And if we put one in the end zone there, um, you know, we have more important things to worry about um, than listening to that stuff. It's our job to go play football and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's going to happen here and there. Robert Sala provided an update on Zach Wilson. We'll evaluate it all tomorrow, expecting, but again, it's until the doctors say so. I'm going to just say he's being evaluated. Uh, we hope that the evaluation leads to him being announced as the Week 4 starter. I can't do I can't do any of this Joe Flacco stuff. I want to see my guy Zach out there. It's time. We get 14 games of an audition because we, we need an answer on this guy. Uh, there are two quarterbacks coming out. Uh, and, <laughs> I mean, like, it's premature to say, but if the Jets are at the end of the year 2-15, and 15, is there a chance they're just kicking the tires on the, on the two quarterbacks in the draft? Is there a chance that they're kicking the tires on those guys? Because, like, you get to 2-15, and 15, it obviously means that something went wrong with Zach Wilson. I don't want to get to that, I don't want to get to that situation, but we, we got to see it unfold. He needs to be out there on the field. He absolutely needs to be out there on the field. Uh, Robert Sala was asked to assess Flacco's performance. You know, he didn't. He obviously didn't get much protection. Um, you know, up and down. Obviously, it's a, no different than Baltimore. I'm sure there's a lot of plays that he wants back. Uh, but um, and I'm sure he'll he'll say to himself that it just wasn't quite good enough. Was not good enough. Jets fall to one and two, and they've got Pittsburgh next week, and it just goes final. <laughs> in Denver, the Broncos, 11-10 to was the final score. That game could not be over fast enough. What, what, a, what a, a disaster of a game that was. Terrible. 
And Nathaniel Hackett continues to look overmatched as the head coach of the Broncos. He, I mean, he takes the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands again in, in a critical situation on 39. They ran the ball. It worked out uh, because the Niners ended up getting the ball back and fumbling. But what a mess that, that is so far in Denver. It, it is falling apart. We will go around the NFL. We'll also talk some Yankees. 30 more minutes to play with in the show. Ty Butler going until midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Throw it up, throw it up. Watch it all fall out. Bow it up, bow it up. That's how we ball out. Throw it up, throw it up. Watch it all fall out. Bow it up, bow it up. That's how we ball out. We'll go around the NFL in about five minutes or so, but just a quick wrap on the baseball conversation. I mentioned the Yankees win and a short interfere at the stadium. It sucks because you wanted to see Aaron Judge get that, at the very least, that last opportunity for the historic home run. He's stuck on 60. He was slated to lead off the bottom of the seventh inning, but the game got called after about an hour and a half of a rain delay. And it's anticlimactic. You go out there, it's an ESPN nationally televised game, and you want to see him, you know, tie Roger Maris and, and maybe have a multi-home run game where he, he surpasses Roger Maris. I believe he's got 11 multi-home run games on the season. So that was very much in play. It's not going to happen at the stadium now. It's going to be in Toronto. And, of course, it, it'll still be celebrated, but it's not the same feel. You would love to see that kind of a feat uh, be achieved at the stadium, and he had ample opportunities to do it. But I, I give Judge credit because he's not going to change who he is a, as a hitter. You know, he goes up there. I, I never feel like he's home run hunting. He he has the same approach. He's just strong enough that when he makes contact and he gets, you know, puts some good wood on it, it's going to go out. But he'll take his walks. He, you know, led off the game with a double. He had a, uh, you know, he had had a couple hits yesterday. So, Judge is not going to change his approach. The moment is big, not too big for him. Uh, hard to imagine he's not feeling the angst and the nerves when you know every time he's at the plate, we're doing cut-ins on broadcasts to watch his 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 plate appearance. Everyone's standing, they're cheering for him, and then they get silent before every pitch. You know the the you know, cameras on. It, it's it's a big deal. It's, this is history we were talking about, and it's a situation he's never been in before. So I would imagine he's got some nerves, but I think he's handled it uh, pretty well. I mean, he hasn't home run. He hasn't hit it yet. It's gonna happen at some point, and and then we'll probably see him hitting a flurry. I I can see Judge hitting sixty one and sixty two, and then still getting a sixty five, because once he gets that, you know that that weight off of his shoulder. Uh, no pun intended, then he'll he'll be able to relax and, and, and fall back into who he is. But, you know, credit to Judge. He's the MVP. We're, the, the conversation is silly at this point if we want to still do the Shohei Judge thing. It, there's, there's just too much evidence in favor of Judge. You look at all the numbers. You look at him having to do this for a team that is playing in big games and has been playing in big games the entirety of the season, whereas Otani, they've been done since June. Well, Otani hasn't had a big moment in a game, in a big game since June. And Judge has been doing this all season long. And it's not Yankee fan bias. It's just it, there has to be an element of 
at bats and you know defensive metrics and all of that come to play with Judge meaning more in games that actually matter for a team that's in first place. I, that that's just what it comes down to for me. And with Aaron Boone, I I gave him credit today. I I think he is in the midst of managing his most impressive season. And he's got 100 wins on his resume. He's got 103 wins on his resume. But I think this is his best season. You look at the uh, the the feeling after the extension from the fan base. They, they didn't want him back. Most of the fan base, they were done with Aaron Boone. He comes in, and it's a pressurized situation because you're expected to win a championship for a fan base that doesn't want you here. And through 70 games, they won 52 of them. They were off to this historic start. Then it started to fall apart. And now people are calling for him to be fired. He's hearing it in the stadium where they're chanting fire Aaron Boone. He acknowledged that he heard it. He's going through that. He's got the, the judge contract distraction. His The bullpen is a mess. I think this is the worst version of the Yankee bullpen that he's had where they're doing this like closer by committee thing, which makes me nervous. Closer by committee, it's, it's not because you just feel you have so many quality arms you just don't know who to choose. Like It's like in football, you, you got three quarterbacks, you don't really have any. It's not like you get three quarterbacks and it's like, oh, here's Rodgers, Brady, and Mahomes. No, it's like we don't really have a quarterback. The Yankees don't have a closer because no one has emerged you know, to the point where they're deserving of, of getting that role. So it's a bunch of tryouts happening. You got, what, 10 games left in the season. October's right around the corner, and we still don't have a closer. So that concerns me a little bit. Garrett Cole, been a concern. But with all the Yankees have had to do with it, including what I just mentioned and the injuries, they've still kept their head above water, and they're on the cusp of clinching the American League East division. So I think Boone has been exceptional this year. I've been critical of him in the past, but got to give him some credit for what he's done. Dusty Baker's probably going to be your American League manager of the year, all the Astros do it. They, they just, I mean, in their sleep win 100 games. It doesn't matter who's in the lineup. Brantley's hurt, and then Verlander's hurt, and they just they just keep on winning. That's that's all they do. So I think he's going to be the manager of the year. But Boone uh, definitely deserves some uh, consideration. So shout-out to him. Shout-out to Aaron Judge. Shout-out to the New York Yankees, who have now won seven straight games playing their I'm not going to say their best baseball because they were on an historic start uh, and an historic pace, uh, you know, in June and where we're comparing this team to the 98 team. Uh, but they're getting hot at the quote-unquote right time. And you just hope that uh, they can continue to get guys back in the lineup. So Rizzo had a big home run the other night. Stanton had the walk-off grand slam. They're both back in the lineup. Looking forward to see DJ, uh, who's missed significant time, get back to, to being in this lineup and contributing for the Yankees. Gleyber Torres is all of a sudden turning it around. I don't know what to expect from Donaldson. It's either he's hitting walk-offs or just not hitting at all. But I think the Yankees have enough on offense, if they can get some of these pieces back, uh, to, to be okay in the postseason. And then you just figure out the rotation. Severino starting tomorrow. That's the Cortez I feel good about. Garrett Cole I do not feel good about. But, I mean, sit there and entertain yourselves with uh, who's starting game one if you want. We know Garrett Cole is getting the ball in game one. Uh, the bullpen, <laughs> question marks all around. But I think they'll be fine. I, I think the Yankees can can really 
make some noise and challenge the Astros. If folks out there want to act like they've got no shot, like the Yankees Astros don't even show up because you can't beat them. I, I think otherwise. Is it going to be a tall task? Of course. Of course. This is a team that's knocked you out in 17 and 19, so there is a little bit of a, a psychological edge that they have over you. They've dominated you in the regular season, and they're just a great team with a really good manager. So it's going to be tough, but I think the Yankees can absolutely beat the Astros, and I'm looking forward to see in October. Because last year, left a bitter taste in my mouth. That was awful, losing to the Red Sox again, especially in the manner that they did. So hopefully when they wrap up this division crown, we can start moving towards some more uh, celebrations going forward as far as the Yankees are concerned. We come back, we'll go around the NFL, recap what's been a wild, wild week three, uh, including the Jets losing to the Bengals. So we'll do that to wrap up the show when we get back right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, we are right on the cusp of the finish line. It's been a fun one tonight. Thank you to Joe and Jacob for the vibes, the tunes, the good conversation during the breaks. And on the air as well. Came across this stat, which is going to be an excellent segue into our go-around-the-league football segment. Uh, so far this season, 18 NFL games decided by three points or fewer, and that's the most through three weeks in the history of the National Football League. 18 games decided by three points or fewer. And one of those games was Bears-Texans. So the Texans had the ball in Bears territory. And then Davis Mills threw a just, you know, just a, a, a bad interception. Roquan Smith picked it off, and that put the Bears and set them up for a game-winning field goal. They won 23-20. to So the Texans fall to 0-2-1. They had that tie week one uh, with the Colts. The Bears, uh, how about this? Uh, Justin Fields completed eight passes, what, threw three picks. I believe he had five sacks. And he got the win. That's why the quarterback win stat is just so phony sometimes. The Bears improved to 2-1. and one. The Titans, they tried to give it away. They had a two-touchdown lead uh, through the first two quarters against the Raiders. Didn't score a grand total of zero points in the second half. But their defense got the final stand against the Raiders uh, after, oh, after Las Vegas scored a touchdown, needed a two-point conversion, failed on a two-point attempt. And now the Raiders are 0 3. How about this for Devontae Adams? You go for from contending for championships with Aaron Rodgers uh, to to 0 3 with the Raiders because you wanted to hook up with your boy in Las Vegas. And 0 3 just sounds like you're gonna miss the playoffs. I don't know that it's a it's a death sentence, but considering the conference they play in and the division where you've got the Broncos who haven't been impressive at all, but the Chargers and the Chiefs. That just sounds like you're drawing dead to make the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Titans improve 2-1-2. and The Colts got their first win of the season. It was in dramatic fashion. So Chris Jones picked up, and this was very controversial, an unsportsmanlike penalty on that final drive for the Colts that extended it, and he was confused because he... He was wondering what happened. And apparently he was trash-talking so much 
use some language. Excuse me. Use some language, and the officials determined that he said something that he shouldn't have said. Yeah, sure. What did he say uh, exactly? I mean, it was almost. Kinda... I, don't know, I don't know what he said as I'm having a choking attack. I apologize. All good. I don't know what he said exactly, but they determined that it warranted a, 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 an unsportsmanlike penalty. And it extended the drive for the Colts, and they went on to score the game-winning touchdown to the Chiefs for their first loss of the season. Meanwhile, the Colts grabbed their first win, 20-17. to This one uh, was all over my screen, Dolphins-Bills, because these were two uh, of the best teams in the AFC so far. Bills, favorites to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they looked dominant through their first two weeks. The Dolphins had played pretty well. And as I mentioned earlier, they came back from 21 down in the fourth quarter to beat the Ravens last week. So a clash of two AFC East teams. And we didn't get the high-scoring game that we expected, despite the fact that Josh Allen threw for 400 yards and two touchdowns. But the Dolphins came away with the victory 21-19. to They tried to give it away at the end. They were up and on a punt. We're now calling it the butt punt. Their punter... Uh, shot it right up and and it led to the Dolphins uh the Bills scoring uh, a safety. The Bills would then get the ball back but unfortunately ran out of time. Uh so the Dolphins now improved to 3 and 0. They are now in first place in the conference in the division. Meanwhile, the Bills fall to 2 and 1. The Vikings used 14 unanswered points to stun the Lions who keep losing these kinds of games. They go up big and they suffer these heartbreaking endings. So the Vikings improved to 2-1, and the Lions, meanwhile, fall to 1-2. and The Ravens, this to me was one of my locks. I told Joe, if he's in a survivor pool, this should have been the game that you circled. The Ravens were not about to lose back-to-back games. Uh, after what happened uh, against Miami last week, uh, against this, you know, this deficient Patriots team, uh, with Mac Jones, a quarterback who got hurt, by the way, and is expected to miss some time because of a high ankle sprain, the Ravens were not going to lose this game. Lamar Jackson, ho-hum, 11 carries, 107 yards, a touchdown. Four total touchdowns in this game. The Ravens win 37-26. to Bengals beat the Jets 27-12. to uh, That was over in the first half. Eagles, Jalen Hurts, man, he continues to put up gaudy numbers. 340 yards, three touchdowns. Is he right now leading the leading the charge for MVP early season? I know it's been three games, but is it Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts right now, one and two? Uh, I don't know. All I know is the Eagles improved to three and zero, twenty four and eight. Twenty four to eight was the final score over Washington. Panthers finally getting the win column. Uh, Jameis Winston is dealing with a back injury. I did see that. Dennis Allen is not considering a quarterback change uh, in New Orleans as of yet, but the Panthers finally get in the win column. 22-14 was the final score. Trevor Lawrence, a lot of people predicted uh, year two was going to be his coming out party, and so far he's living up to the hype. Uh, He hung 38 on that Chargers defense today, but the story really was Justin Herbert uh, dealing with the rib injury. Did not look good at all today. I know I saw some folks saying that – uh, Brandon Staley should have just taken him out of the game. Clearly uh, wasn't ready to be in this one. Uh, the Chargers lost 38-10, to and it sucks because this is one of the best teams in football. If, if Justin Herbert is healthy, 
had that game against the Chiefs that they should have won. He threw that pick six that really was a backbreaker uh, back in week two on Thursday Night Football. Now he's dealing with a rib injury. We we wonder how long it's going to keep him uh, down uh, just because he looks limited. And if he's limited, the Chargers really don't have a shot, especially in the in that division. Uh, the Rams make it two straight wins. They beat the Cardinals 20-12. to Remember, the Cardinals last week had stormed back to, to beat the Raiders uh, in one of the most unpro- improbable wins that, that you'll see uh, joining the Jets. But the Rams won this one today by eight. Kyler Murray threw for 314 yards. But Cam Akers, finally, 61 yards, a touchdown. Falcons get their first win of the season. Marcus Mariota. Uh, put a win together, 27-23. Geno Smith, after he said people wrote him off, but he didn't write back, all of a sudden he's lost two straight games. Maybe you shouldn't be trash-talking when you're not worthy of being the trash-talker, my guy Geno. He did play well today, 325 yards and two touchdowns. A game that I was dialed into, Rodgers versus Brady. Uh, Did it live up to the hype? Not really, 14-12. Both defenses played pretty well. Quarterback... uh, Rodgers threw a, threw an interception. Brady um, had his his receivers fumbling all over the place. Aaron Jones fumbled, so it was combined. I think four turnovers between the two teams. So not a lot of action going on. You had just nine points in the second half, and all came from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they had a chance to tie the game. They were down eight. Brady drives them for a touchdown. On a two-point conversion, they pick up a delay of game penalty that sends them back five yards. And then, unfortunately, they were not able to punch in on a two-point conversion. So the Packers escape with the victory by two. They are 2-1 and on the season. So are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then from this past Thursday, we know the Browns beat the Steelers 29-17. One final game remains on the slate for Week 3, and that is Giants-Cowboys, a game that will take place tomorrow night on E. SPN and ABC, a game that we're all looking forward to, especially here locally, as Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and the New York Giants look to improve to 3-0. Did we ever at any point before the season think that we would be talking about the Giants possibly improving to 3-0? We did not think that, but here's their opportunity to. So the Eagles won today. They are 3-0, so you got a chance to uh, tie them for first place, and it's early in the season, but this is a big test, big division test for the Giants. Cowboys playing with their backup quarterback, Cooper Rush, and the Giants right now are favored by one at home, though you would imagine that, you know, they say you get three points for home field advantage, so if this is on a neutral site, uh, the Cowboys would be favored. Uh, but the Giants, I, I really do like them in this game. Uh, I, I think they're going to win tomorrow night, and I think that the crowd and, and the fan base is going to go ballistic because come Tuesday morning, you should very well be breaking down a 3-0 Giants team that is a third of the way to nine wins with 14 games left to play in the season. And, you know, it's never too early to start talking about the playoffs because, <laughs> look, the wins when the wins come and they happen the way that they have happened for the Giants, get excited. Let's go! And even if you don't make the playoffs, so far, so good in Giants land for Brian David and company. Thank you to Jake, Jacob. Thank you to Joe. Thank you to everyone who listened to the show tonight. Tidy Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We're signing off. Have a good night.